0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the 99%. I'm Jesse Vandercheck and I'm here with Marilyn.
1: Hey team, how's it going? Happy to be here. You can find everything with me at mcc.coach. Um and Marilyn,
0: you are kind of like maybe potentially anyways getting the ball rolling from for for Finland 70.3 worlds coming up, huh?
1: Yeah, uh pretty hard left turn on the plans for the year. St. George then qualified for Finland. I was like one and done doing, doing a half for fun and then qualified for Finland. And so now going with the group to Finland and excited about that and really looking forward to it. I worked out a little schedule for myself and actually today is exactly 12 weeks out. So in my mind, this is like the start point of the actual training blocks towards that race. So after St. George kept it pretty loose and, you know, just rolled my normal routine, what felt good, that kind of thing. Um, and set myself up to be in a good place to start this 12 weeks to the race. Awesome. Right in the dead of the summer of, of Tucson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> perfect time to start a training block what could be better
1: all right 100 degrees first day yesterday
0: <laughs> nice starting out with bay
1: yeah and you're uh, you're racing this weekend
0: yeah i am raking racing challenge gerardsburg or gerardsbergen um and i may you're making me feel like extremely underprepared and talking about your 12-week block i'm doing a uh, a three-week block for this race and then a two-week block after that for Challenge Roth. Uh, slightly different strategies, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually I'm feeling decent, so I'm excited to race. It's been, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, at, the, at the end of last season, I had a swing and a miss at Arizona and was kind of sick leading in, didn't get to race that. So my last race was actually in October of last year for Waco 70.3. And so, yeah, October to June is a, is a pretty long stretch of time. Um, it is actually probably, or is the longest stretch of time in my professional career. Even like I've had injuries and I think I've come back to racing faster and, and yeah. Um, so yeah, longest, longest break in my professional career, which is, uh, which is kind of cool to, uh, see what this is going to be like going back to racing.
1: Yeah and you know what's cool too is that like not only that is it your longest break but it's like the the like you were talking about between the two of us the you've done a completely different block of training i mean you've done some running races and you're in a different environment you're in a different country you're different as far as having groups and training mates and um like everything i mean everything is completely different so i think that's going to be exciting to see how that plays out for you and what the changes are that you notice and you know, all of that. I think that's, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited about that. And I feel like I I was really nervous about that for a long time. And I was taking my training, you know, a very different approach. And then like, I guess I'm still taking a very different approach because of all the, all the environmental things being so different. But I, I do find that I've kind of hit a certain training load, a certain volume, a certain amount of intensity. And even though the stimulus is, I mean, still swim, bike, run, but effectively, Totally different than I've ever done it. Like I kind of like hitting, hitting a certain amount of like like of those things where I'm like, oh, I actually feel like the form is coming. And you know, for a while, I had this idea where I need basically the two sound training in order to have this feeling. And you know, it turns out that I actually don't. And I mean, I don't want to say that before the race, but I'm saying it before the race that uh, you know I feel like my form is actually coming around and. And so, yeah, I am excited to race. You know, I, I think there are a few things that that I missed that I don't really get to replicate, like the swimming and riding with groups. And so that'll make that dynamic a little bit different. But but again, you know, this isn't my first rodeo. So I do know what to expect. And I, I'm kind of, I'm trying to play on that and say, well, I do have experience. So my training can look a little different and I can still, um, I can still go well in yeah, we'll, we'll see if I'm right this
1: weekend. You know, it actually might be like a really cool opportunity to, you know, our, our, our topic today is transitions and transitions for athletes and different phases of their, their career. But, and that ties in really well with almost what we're talking about for you is that, you know, this could be such a good opportunity that you've been allowed to train so differently that you're going to be able to say like, how maybe you've made some choices even within this training block that you might not have made in a group environment. You know, those moments where you might have, you might think, okay, I went a little harder because I was with X, Y, and Z. And at at that time, you're thinking, well, this is the thing that is going to make my race and make me be able to race faster. And when you're training on your own, it allows you that uh, perspective to change how you you know when you go hard how you respond to things allow you to make decisions based on the recovery you need or how hard to push yourself on certain days and and see if that translates into a different race altogether for you whether it's stronger because you've been able to recover better and maybe push the limits even harder because you you've been able to listen to your own body and exactly what it needs or you know maybe you know like it'll be really great to have that comparison to one another and say okay even as as you've evolved through your career and you have, like you said, you've done a lot of racing, right? So you, it's not your first rodeo and you're going to be able to have a real clear comparison between, you know, a preparation completely solo on your own or preparation with other people and the impacts of both of those. So I think what a great opportunity to go through this whole process.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, as, as a coach athlete, there's nothing better than being a Guinea pig for your own, for your own benefit. Right. So yeah, (laughs) I, I'm hoping to learn a lot and hopefully I can apply it to more than just myself. Um, Because I guess to talk about how, you know, I am going through a transition and that is part of the reason, and that is part of the reason why my training block has, has been kind of short, if you will. And, you know, that is the fact that like I am 41 and, you know, I did move and all those other things, but, but really one of the main emphases of this year for me has been to train hard at the right times and not train hard all year and spend a a little bit more of that other time with my family. So, you know, December, January, February, I was spending a lot of time with my family. I was, you know, getting a pluses as a dad being, doing a lot of childcare. And then now as I'm kind of getting closer to the race season, you know, maybe I'm getting D pluses as a dad, but I'm trying to get that average for the year to kind of be a B plus with a little bit less time dedicated to racing And, and then I can have some bigger chunks of time where I'm, you know, spending a lot more time, you know, being present. And then also a lot more time being present for my athletes. Um, But that is kind of like my, maybe my new kind of global perspective of my life. And I think it is, you know, and again, part of that is because I am 41 and it's hard for me to be on for 10 months a year. You know, when I was 25, I could race 10 months a year and, that was fine. I'd be chomping at the bit after like that two month break. And, and so now I like, yeah, maybe would have liked to race a little bit sooner, but I, that break was kind of on purpose because I, I feel like I do need a little bit more time to recover from the harder efforts. And it's harder for me to be on all the time. And I guess to that point that we have kind of talked about, it's not like I just did nothing. I was still training, but just training at like a lot lower level so that when I started this block to kind of springboard up, I had a really good base and I wasn't, you know, off the couch to three weeks really hard. Um, But yeah, I was kind of setting myself up to springboard into this, this period uh, with, with a little bit less training throughout the rest of the year. And
1: yeah, we talked talked about completely different, you know, you said, Oh, you're doing 12 weeks. I'm doing three weeks now. uh, You know, the, the big difference there is, You know, you're still racing professionally and actually seeing improvements in your time and speed and trying to go for faster and faster times. I mean, last over the last couple of years, you've continued to get faster and see some of your best performances as an athlete. And so you're in that phase where, you know, you've built yourself up over, you know, many, many years. Um, Has it been a decade at least?
0: At least yeah, 12. so a
1: decade. Yeah. And, and you're, you're at that point in your career where you're still seeing improvements and your fastest times and right on the cusp of that. For, for me, I've taken, you know, I retired in 2012 um, last actually professional Ironman was in 2011. And then I followed that with one year of the pro road scene with the bike racing and then retired altogether and then didn't do any, even cardio for five years. Right. I mean, I, I would, I, I completely retired all of those things and c- coming back. So for me, it's a much different thing and that I'm not looking for peak performances or lifetime best or fastest performances ever. Those are kind of behind me and I'm doing it for a lot different reasons and, and looking for different indicators on in terms of what like feels good heading into a race. And so the, that, that really shapes what a training block looks like, the length of times, um, even how how hard you're pushing the sessions. Like your three week block intensity looks entirely different in terms of how hard you're going compared to like over my like 12 weeks of, okay, I need to, you know, I have little, little indicators that will slowly lead up to me having a performance that feels good to me at that at that race. And it might be, you know, things that are already embedded in your day-to-day life over a decade. Because you're still racing and competing at an elite level. And, and those might be things like, oh, I want to take a little bit better care of my sleep, I'm going to make some choices nutritionally better, I'm going to make some social adjustments as far as how I'm spending my time so that I can have this 12 weeks really dedicated to this so whereas your life already looks like that all the time because you're still in that phase of high performance where I'm more on the participation end of things in in that chapter of of the sporting sporting side of things
0: um i guess while you are talking about your chapter of the sporting side of things let's let's talk about what happened in 2011 when you retired racing professionally and what did that that transition looked like for you? Um, You raced your last Ironman and then it sounds like you went basically straight into racing your bike professionally.
1: Yeah, I wanted to finish one more year of the road because I was always one of those triathletes that I combined road racing on the bikes and triathlon. And so because I was Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, I flip flop seasons and I also flip flop between road racing and long distance triathlon so a lot of times you would see me doing maybe the NRC calendar back in the day in the U.S. or I might be down in the Southern Hemisphere doing like the New Zealand World Cup and um, all the um, Australian equivalents of the NRC races. And so that was more road racing focus. And then I might spend a block of block of time racing Ironmans. I was I didn't race a lot as far as Ironmans. I could do three a year successfully and a handful of half Ironmans, maybe five half Ironmans, but I couldn't. I couldn't do a lot of that because I was so injury-prone running. So I did a lot of flip-flopping as far as uh, Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, and those two sports. And so when I did my last Ironman uh, Ironman Louisville in 2011, and then I wanted to finish one more pro road season and did the NRC races. It was the last year that there was the Philadelphia Classic that had the big um, equal prize money for men and women. So I really wanted to be at that. And, and then after that year, I completely retired. So, so yeah, that was the last set of races. And when I retired, I, uh, there is a sit down period that's mandatory. You can't go from racing professionally right into the amateur field. I think it's, I think, um, by rule, is it two years, Jesse?
0: I honestly don't know. Uh, I know you need to let your elite license run out. And so it might depend on where you're at and your qualification for your license.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up again and maybe it's changed over time. I remember it being two years that you can't just, you can't just like retire from racing professionally and show up on the amateur field. I don't think that that's allowed. So, but I didn't want to either. I mean, I was pretty like, okay, I'm good. Um, and I actually, but I knew that based on, um, who I was as a human being and what got me into that sport in the first place and have done other sports before, like the show jumping, at another level that there were certain things really important to keep in the mix. Like one was routine. I needed to keep a very similar routine. Uh, I needed to, uh, include some kind of goal orientated, you know, structure. I needed to, you know, get myself involved in a community that was supportive of, of goals and healthy lifestyle, all that kind of thing. So I, I, I knew that that was important so that I didn't you see a lot of pro athletes when they retire if they don't have something in place, some it might be um, for a lot of women it's starting a family or it might be um, something in terms of starting a new career or education or finishing degrees or something like that. but if you don't have something on the mix, I think that that can lead to a lot of problems. So for me, it was continue um, starting to launch into I'd always been coaching with Endurance Corner, but you know building that business much more and then taking on a new challenge and new sport and learning something new right away but setting that routine I knew was really key to transitioning away from triathlon into retirement from racing professionally
0: and what was your new sport that you kind of started uh learning at that point
1: At that time, it was at first it was CrossFit. I went into that because that was like a real thing that was like booming and I was interested in it. And I thought, what's this all about? Looks kind of cool. I did that for a little bit and um, very quickly fell in love with Olympic weightlifting. So, you know, ended up falling into that scene just a little bit deeper and a little bit more focused and, and took that structure and goals and that same that same structure to my life that i knew was important for me as a human and my personality into that sport and um i had a little bit of trouble with my knee from because olympic lifting is a real it's a real explosive sport and so looking at like okay i'm not in my 20s anymore and even though i love olympic lifting i was looking at you know long term i didn't want to be in my 50s and need a knee replacement so i went into i transitioned that into powerlifting which was a a sport I really, really enjoyed. That was fun. It was fun to have something I'd never done before. It was like, now I was into that, into that like arena of, you know, I'm brand new. I'm learning something new. Everything's from scratch. Everything's going to be on an upward trajectory as far as improvement. You know, the competition was exciting. It was fun. It was a great environment. I was training for something. And so it fed all of those parts of my personality that I knew were important As I transitioned out of professional racing, because I think that that part of who you are is still really, really like that flame is burning really hot. And so that transition, it's not like you're going to just say, oh, well, now I'm just going to I'm just going to turn that dial down to low and I'm going to be perfectly normal. That really doesn't happen. So the transition for me was like racing professionally, then going away from that sport into something else that I could keep that same focus that was in line with like like your, your flame is just burns that hot because that's what you've done for over a decade. And then as you get further and further away from that, it gets easier to, and you get older as well. So you, you emotionally and mentally change quite a bit with that. And then that dialing that flame down to a little bit more, a little bit more as you get further away and you have a big break from the sport that you were so close to. It gets easier to do that. I think if you try and go from racing professionally, at least for me and what I've noticed with other peers and other athletes, if you go from racing at that super, super high level to just like, I'm going to dur- turn the dial down, like down to low, like from hot, high to low, that typically is mentally just extreme, mentally, and emotionally, extremely difficult. And so for me, it was like another sport at the same sort of focus And that allowed me to get far enough away that once I was so far away, I was able to miss what I did before and come back at it with completely different, uh, a different lens and a different, you know, completely. And, and I was forced to physically as well. I mean, I started back with a 25 minute easy spin on the trainer, like 25 pounds heavier. So like there, it was like forced, you know? Um, So yeah, that's sort of a little bit, that's a big topic with me and I could definitely dive, dive really deep into that. Um, yeah, one
0: one more question for you personally, and then we can kind of broaden it out. Yeah. So when you were racing, you were winning races, right? You were extremely competitive. You were on the podium. You were at the top of your game. And you were like that for a long time. Then you entered a sport where, like you said, you were learning. You were bottom of the barrel. Um, was that transition hard for you? And I guess I'm thinking of that as how am I, you know, when I, I look at a lot of like, um, you know, the guys I race against that have pretty big egos that are involved in racing. And then I'm just wondering, you know, it, would they be able to do that? Was that hard for you to go from winning to go to go straight back to that learning? I know that was exciting, but was there any sort of challenge as, aspect in there?
1: There wasn't. It was it was cool because it was such a different arena altogether. I mean, triathletes and powerlifters are pretty about as far away from <laughs> one another as you could possibly get <laughs> in terms of everything. So it was it was, you know. It wasn't hard for me that way at all. And to be totally honest, I was able to, I was in a really good, I did all the, all the things that I know how to do as a elite athlete. I found, you know, a really good group. I found I, I was surrounded by the best in the sport. And so my, my learning was accelerated much faster than than probably what would be normal. And by by natural ability, I'm kind of a fast twitch person. my whole family's like that. so I took the sport really quickly and I was able to actually you know for my division on a state level win the the um, like the state championship and and that kind of stuff. So I was pretty quickly competitive in that arena. So to be fair, To answer your question, it wasn't hard for me because I was so humbled and it was so different. But on top of that, I don't know if that's a fair answer because I was competitive right away. And I was competing for the podium and winning my division right away. So And and I won the state championship. And once I, I did that, and then I started cycling again. So it was like I got the opportunity to be be competitive in that arena. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I will say it wasn't at the beginning. I mean, I didn't know I would be that competitive when I started and I didn't, I enjoyed just being a brand new student where none of my past mattered at all. In fact, it was like, it worked against me. It was like, we need to train this like slow twitch endurance out of your body and it's got to get further and further away to be successful at this. So I, um, you know, that was kind of, that was actually exciting and fun for me personally. That's just kind of how my brain works. I, I like being challenged by something super new.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So even though you ended up being successful, it wasn't like a driver and it wasn't like on day one or within a month you were like, Oh, I'm great at this. So I'm going to stick with it. And it had that not been the case. You would have left. It was like, you had these other kind of drivers that were pushing you along. Um,
1: Yeah. For me, a main driver is, is, is learning something new. I think that's where, you know, like that's, that was like super important to me that I was actually being challenged, progressing and learning something new. And that's most humans. Right. And I think most, most humans that are uh, drawn to uh, anything at an elite level, whether it be, you know, arts, music, um, sports, whatever, if you're in that type of mindset where you're, you're really driven by, you know, being challenged progression and learning, I think you can apply a lot of similar skills along the way. And so, so for me that provided that and um, yeah. And then, you know, it's fun to come back because you kind of feel like you get so far away from it. I had this conversation with a friend that's just moved back to town who is in those transitions right now. And I'm a lot further down the track, a separate removed from it. And uh coming, it feels like coming back to home with a different, different lens and with a sort of a different emotional and mental and like uh there's a, a piece to it and a like endearing, like coming a, a reunion type feeling that that is really, really nice. You're you're it's completely different. It's not a, it's it's about as far away from progression and you're still learning, you're always learning something new, but it's like, as far as progressing and seeing best performances and that stuff, it's like polar opposite.
0: (laughs) Right. But I mean, you were, like you said, you were away long enough though, that you are, you did see progression from where you started to where you are now. So you got to see go through that progression. And, and I feel like it was nice, like you said, that it was that so much time away that, you know, you're not Maryland, the professional triathlete anymore. You're, you know, Maryland who is a person who's getting into triathlon. If people didn't know, they could think you were just like kind of a strong athlete getting to triathlon for the very first time.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep.
0: And so I think one of the key things you were talking about in there is that how you had routine and you wanted to keep sport in your life in in some fashion and you just totally switched gears. And, and kind of like if, you know, you're building up an athlete, like I, not that I follow the 10% rule, but I, there is this 10% rule, right. Where like you progress an athlete and you don't progress them more than 10% at a time. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, you can also apply that to when an athlete is either transitioning or transitioning, like maybe away from sport at a high level where they still want to participate in sport, but they're probably not going to do it. Like I, I imagine, your hours in lifting were slightly less than your hours when you're racing professionally, you know, maybe a third at, at best. Um, Cause I, I can't, I can't picture you lifting more than 15 hours a week. I don't know. And you're probably training like 35 or 40 when you're going full on. So um, yeah, I, I, but I do think that that cutback is, is important, right. For your quality of life, but you know, it's something that you also have to kind of, Like progress through, which I think probably that year of cycling really helps with you. And I think like a a great example is if you look at people in business, like in executives that are at really a really high level. There's always an exit strategy, and that's kind of like the same thing with people at a really high level of sport. And I think you know we're talking about like professional athletes, but I also think it's it could be anyone who's investing a lot of time, right? It doesn't really matter your your level of competition, but it's like hey, if you're training, you know. 15 20 25 30 hours a week you're devoting a lot of time to it and in order to kind of like move on to a different sport or kind of back out of that and 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 reallocate some of those those time resources i think you do want to be careful with how you do that like you know and a retirement package in the business sense you might drop down one day a week for a year then you might drop down and from four days to three days you kind of slowly work your way out And then you still might maintain a consulting position after you totally retire. So you're never like leaving that completely. And I feel like, you know, sports is the same where, you know, let's say you're switching gears and you're going to just, just race your bike or something, you know, maybe you keep in a run every once in a while to kind of like ease your way out of running or, you know, I know you still swam a little bit over that time, but I think it is important to think about like, Oh, if we're going to build up by 10% of the time, maybe we want to apply Maybe not the exact same, but some sort of similar strategy to how we and I don't, transition into a different sport or a different phase of how we're approaching, even if you stay in triathlon um, and kind of how you approach that next phase of your, your sporting career.
1: It's super important. I think even from a, a you could do a deep dive with, you know, in labs with sports physiologists. I think mentally emotionally and physically there is absolutely things that go on with people you know it's got to be even on a cellular level that you you see with we were just talking about an ultra runner who ran 200 miles a day for a certain number of days you can't just go or you watch the tour de france riders they don't they don't race really hard and then on their rest day do nothing physically not only mentally emotionally but physically physically you can't, you can't do that. Your body would completely, I mean, the, there would be so many things that happen on a physiology standpoint, if you just sort of went from that level to hitting the brakes to nothing. And, um, I think that I really loved what you said there, as far as exit strategy. I think if you look at it, even like that as something as simple as a block, like someone does an event, like a three, a two week stage race, or, you know, even on a hormone level, what happens to your hormones when you race really hard for two weeks, say you're doing some kind of bike racing, or you're doing some kind of ultra event or something like that to just then your whole body, of course, just wants to shut down and have a rest. And even your brain is like, Oh my God, all I want to do is rest. But if you do that, the repercussions mentally, hormonally, emotionally, physically could just, you know, be be very, very negative all around, you know, people's, even their muscles and tendons start to lock up. There's all kinds of things that happen and that exit tra- strategy or that, that, um, you know, transitioning out and even, even, yeah, like I can even say, uh, we, there's a lot of careers, like with physicians, they might be a physician and a surgeon. And then at some point they're not doing surgery anymore. And then they're just working clinic. And then they're just, you know, they're no longer on call and they, they, they slowly stair-step them down to maybe they're just at the clinic one or two days a week. And then, you know, they're, they're out of, out of being a physician. So I think in all, all cases, I think this is such a great conversation because that seems normal and practical when it comes to uh, any kind of career. It's already set in place by large corporations or other industries, but there is nothing really out there for athletes. You know, you look at, look at NFL. I mean, oh my gosh, they take them, beat the crap out of them and completely, you know, (laughs) some of them wreck their bodies for life and then just throw them to the, throw them to the side of the street. And some have really great successful careers and exit strategies out of that in place. And some of them, you hear some real horror stories of what happens to them after retirement. But I think on a more fringe sport, like running triathlon, bike racing, you don't hear about it as much. And there's really nothing in place. You know, I I have had a ton of conversations with peers and ex pros and even my athletes that I coach as they're aging, just aging athletes in general really successful age group athletes that are slowly over time, as you see, like when they're hitting sixties and seventies, still have that desire to compete and train and live the lifestyle. And, but things are going to be changing and we need to have some kind of plan to do that well across the board.
0: Yeah. And I think that's maybe even a more interesting piece when you're dealing with athletes that are working and have like, you know, this kind of work life balance that you have to teeter totter, um, and and then you know they say, hey, I'm, I've raced my last Ironman, I'm, and I'm going to you know do something different, or only go down to 70.3s or take a little time off, and and then it's like, you know, I think the general population is like, oh, oh, great, you're going to have all this extra time on your hands. Aren't you excited to to not have to do that all the time? And and you know, there, there's not that kind of built-in support where everyone's like, oh no one's like oh is it going to be hard to not ride 5 hours on saturday and i think it is right like that's that's going to be the problem is that like you know if they did that every saturday for 15 years then it's going to be pretty hard to not want to ride 5 hours on saturday and and so yeah i think having a plan for that and then you know having and then having people around you that understand that like even though it might on the outside look like it should be easy you should be like oh i'm enjoying watching cartoons and eating cereal on a saturday morning but like you know that is actually going to be you might be like a little bit sad on saturday morning when you're not getting on your bike for five hours so, actually, so yeah
1: at a at a you hit the nail on the head i mean most people who like to go out and you know if they're if they're not getting paid to do it and they've chosen made the choice to want to do that because it's their fun and who they are as a human being, mentally, emotionally, physically for the last however many years. And all of a sudden it's taken away from them in general. They didn't want to sit around and I mean, it's fun for them for like a week, you know, they're like, oh, and now I'm going crazy. And, Usually, their spouses or whatever the people in their lives are like, you're miserable now, like, you're really awful to be around. Will you please go do something? Because you're driving us all nuts. Because it's, you know, and so it's that, not to interrupt, sorry, but like, um, yeah, I think for the most part, that's it's even, it is, it, it's like socially, people put the pressure on to n- say exactly what you're saying, like, oh, it's better if you're not, but really it's probably not better if they're not. So, sorry, I completely interrupted you. You go you finish no,
0: no. Um, Those are all good ads. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, but uh, basically I think the point is that like, it is really important to have a plan and then communicate that with everyone around you and, and make sure they know that it's like important that you stick to that. And whether that's like, Hey, you know, I'm not training for an Ironman, but I still am going to do some gravel riding or mountain bike riding, do something kind of different. That's the same in order to kind of keep, keep feeling good. And, um, and, you know, maybe you're going to start riding three hours on uh, Saturday and people might kind of balk at that and be like, well, why would you do that if you're not training for a race? And it's like, well, turns out you're doing this all because you love it. And so it's still going to be a part of your life. But yeah, I think there can be, you know, some other ways you can kind of transition into different sports or, you know, going to something that's like similar, but different. So it's far enough away that maybe you're, you're not competing anymore, but you're still, you still have that time dedicated to, you know, keeping sport in your life in some regard.
1: Yeah. And there's a, there's definitely a transition as far as um, learning to set your expectations right as you go through it. So probably one of the, hardest things I've had to help people with is manage managing that piece of it so as someone is coming out of that phase where at they're at their their peak performances and say they are competitive or you know even aging or um you know racing competitively whether it be professionally or amateur at an amateur level but they have they've gone through that process they recognize okay this is part of who I am as a human being they've set a, a strategy and a plan to, to stay healthy and stay connected and all of those things. So once they've gone through that process and that's like, okay, that was no problem. We get that. The next phase of that is managing that emotional and mental expectations. And it comes up and, and people can consciously be aware of that and say that out loud and know that, but where it comes up is when they're actually doing something. For example, it might be, Riding up lemon, and you're used to doing from mile zero to the top at a in a certain time or at a certain watts, and that's what you've always done. Or you've ridden it with a, a particular group of friends, always. That's the group you've always ridden with, and and you know that you can stay with them, and all of a sudden it's changed because physically. You you're not where you used to be, and that's where it'll pop up emotionally, mentally. Is in those moments. That's like the hot. The the, it's like when the 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 cattle prod is hot, and you have to have some kind of awareness on how to manage that, because other words, it can mentally beat you down or emotionally beat you down. Where you're like, oh, you know, you might get really hard on yourself, or your confidence might get down, or you might be like, why am I doing this? Or that's when the emotion, frustration comes up but if you're aware of that and you're able to say you you've already developed like the the tools and even the conversation with yourself or you have an understanding of like this is this is where I am now and it's not because of anything negative it's just like this is where I am now and that's oh that's great like and this is what my goals are now and this is what I get enjoyment out of. And this is what I'm trying to do today. And this is where I'm trying to do it and those kinds of things. And, and you pick and choose when you, you know, go for something a little harder or when you don't, and it's based around your current situation and not only managing that within yourself and in your own mind, but also your peers as well, or your, the people around you, you know, I've certainly been in that situation before as people are used to a certain a certain level or a certain way. And you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm like, this is, this is where I'm at now. And I'm okay with that. And I get that a lot with running. I plot along at like, you know, for me, nine and a half minute miles, sometimes 10 minute miles, I'm jogging along. People are like, don't you want to run faster? I'm like, yeah, I want to run faster, but like, I'm okay with running this speed too. It's, it's fine for me. Like that's, I don't, ex- I, I certainly don't expect to zoom along at, you know, six and a half minute miles anymore. I'm just, I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's realistic based on the number of years I've taken off running. I wasn't really ever a very talented runner anyways. So, you know, like all of these things, but I still really enjoy it. And I do have my own personal markers that I want to see improvements and targets that I'm going after, but they're based on my, where I'm at. And then I've set my expectations with that. And I, and I make sure, and then if other people, if those exterior expectations come in from peers, I already know where I'm at with all that and I can manage their expectations whether they believe me or not it's up to them but I don't same thing you don't let that bother you and that's those cattle prod moments are where it's important to have especially the closer you are to your peak performances is to really have those set in place the further away you get from it then it you know gets easier and easier kind of yeah
0: I'm there sorry (laughs) It's funny. I've been having some, some similar conversations with, you know, I've got some guys about my age that I've been racing with forever and, you know, we're like, Oh, well, going to get back into racing again here soon. And, you know, I'm going to be racing against there's going to be guys literally 20 years younger than me on the starting line, which, which will be interesting. Um, and, you know, it's like, well, I would like to go faster than I've ever gone. Sure. But I also am trying to recognize, and um, I'm stealing this phrase, but like uh, that, you know, that might not be possible anymore. And and I'm hoping to just be like the vet best version of who I am now. And now I'm a dad and I'm 41 and, uh, you know, I'm training in Switzerland and I would like to be the best version of this me that I can be on the starting line and hopefully at the finish line. And whether that compares to me when I was, you know, 32 in racing, I mean, maybe hopefully, but like, If not, maybe that's okay, because my plate was a lot different back then. And so my race outcome was probably a little bit different. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, with my experience and a few other like tools that I have under my belt, I can still race well, but I understand the fact that my circumstance right now is extremely different. And I think really embracing that and finding a way to, to understand that as you're kind of progressing through sport that each year, each time you step up to the starting line, what the tools you bring are going to be different. And, and like, that's okay. And, um, and yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to do now. And that's helping me be an aging athlete.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, even for me, like uh, with all of the, all of the different goals and what's important to me about, even being at a start line now is completely different you know sharing the experience with people i'm that are important to me and enjoying the sport in itself and the structure that the sport brings to my life and just you know the joys of the joys of swim, bike and run and the events, the events are fun, right? It's like fun to be at the party, that kind of thing, like all those little things. But I also still like, even with going to Finland, I've said to myself, okay, 12 weeks. And the reason I picked such a long time frame is because I want to bring the exactly what you just said, the best version of myself to this start line for myself, for the people that I'm sharing the experience with, for respect to the sport, all of those things. Now, whatever that is, it is like, I don't know what those times are going to be. I'm not... You know, I'm not saying like, oh, is that going to be in the top 10 of my age group? Or is that going to be, you know, a x x time across swim, bike and run? I have no idea at this point, but I know what it means to me to bring the best version of myself over the next 12 weeks. And then when I get there, I can feel proud of that. And then whatever it is, it is, you know, we'll see what that is. It might be, you know, who knows as far as time and placing doesn't really matter, to be honest. Um, it's just what will be important to me. Is that I, over the next 12 weeks, meet these little weekly goals that bring, that I know I've given the best version of myself to show up there and and do myself proud, do the people I'm, that I respect there proud and do the sport and the race proud that I, that I did everything I could to be there. And that's, you gain a lot from that. You learn a lot from that and you gain a lot from that. So I think that that's another way to look at it as you transition, like for me, like I say, my fastest times. I I know and accept happily are well and truly behind me. So so those are maybe different ways to look at it as well.
0: And yeah, the you know, the way your life is now, you're probably like not willing to, to devote as much or of your time now as you did back then, right? Because like right now you're running a business and have all these other, other things on your plate. So your world looks a lot different. So it wouldn't make sense for you to set those expectations to have, you know, Marilyn when she was racing at 25 like have those kind of times um but exactly. but yeah if you can do like if you can put in a good training uh, clock and you know you get to the starting line like you know is kind of executing everything well that you did in training then that's going to be that's going to be a win and and yeah what the clock says is kind of irrelevant
1: yeah totally i mean the people's lives change and it's not only just the aging piece it's like we you say you've got more on your plate you know you you're running a business, you have a family, you know, all of, as well as still racing at a elite professional level. So there's more on your plate. For me, when I was racing full-time, it was, you train three times a day. You know, there was the long days that were all day long. Um, and those were okay. One, one session a day, but they were the all day long training sessions. But then on a regular basis, it was three sessions a day morning, noon, and night, you know, no way I would do that. Now. I just, I don't, I simply don't have the time. I'm happy now to get something in in the morning and something at night, you know, five days a week. And then there's two days a week where I only get one session in. And so that's still a lot for, for a lot of people. That's, that's my world. And that, you know, that looks, but that looks entirely different than what I did when I was racing full-time and, and trying to go for my absolute best times. I just, even if I could do it physically and at my age, which you know I'm sure I could train that amount at this age at the at the intensity, definitely not, but just time wise uh, with my life I you know that's not an option anymore so and that's okay
0: but but yeah, I think to kind of uh, wrap that that you said and we've said is that it seems like it's really beneficial to have a plan in place for this and have this plan you know articulated to especially to yourself but to the people around you so that everyone kind of knows that the transition that you're going through and you know what whether it's to another sport or you know just to like a different part of the sport you're in but kind of like being really aware of what that's going to look like and being really aware of you know what kind of expectations you can set for yourself with your new parameters Um, and then also being really aware that maybe you don't just want to like totally you know pull the plug on on sport all at once if if you're like you know thinking about retiring completely at some point it's like maybe you need to keep that in in some regard but but yeah especially you know even if you're just kind of switching phases of your kind of sporting life just knowing what that's going to look like and knowing that there is going to be like these kind of mental emotional and physical challenges that you're going to need to work through uh, as an athlete
1: absolutely Cool. Thanks for the conversation, Jesse. I think this is a really important topic. I think it's something we could dive deeper into each chapter of people's lives, the starting, what got into them, you know, what it looks like when you are at your top and then transitioning out and the exit strategy. I think it's, it's something that is not talked about enough. And I think it's a great conversation and um, yeah, really good stuff. Thanks for chatting. Yeah. Thank you.
0: And if people have any questions about how to kind of um, navigate through their own transitions, feel free to reach out to Marilyn and I. We'd love to help you with that. All right. Thank you for your time.
1: Cheers.